This is the Narrative Shift Podcast, where we talk about faith, justice, race, and everything in between. Hey, I'm Terrence Lester. And I'm Johnny Taylor. And uh, thanks for tuning in. So this is episode five of Narrative Shift. Uh, We have been discussing the chapters of Terrence Lester's new book, I See You. And last week, we discussed how we can make room in the margins. And I feel like this week, the subject uh, kind of ties in directly because we'll be talking about how much is enough. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, when we're, when we're talking about how much is enough, I think it definitely goes uh, hand in hand with making room in the margins because um, as we lead busy lives, we're also leading those busy lives because we're in pursuit of more. Yeah. Um, this subject though, man, it, it's uncomfortable and probably will make a lot of people uncomfortable. Right. And it'll probably even make us uncomfortable a touch. Yeah. I know last week we had like the conversation was really run honest and, um, a lot of it, you know, was convicting, not, I mean, for my own self, just, what we're talking about making room in the margin, but now we're talking about, you know, what is honestly enough. And I feel like it's so easy for us to get caught up in just wanting more and not even taking time to think about what is enough. Yeah. Well, when we talk about wanting more, what, what are we talking about? Yeah. Or what, 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 what do you think people want more of? Man, I, <laughs> Anything they can get more of, we want more of it. it. Seems like we want more friends, we want more influence, we want more money, we want, we want more time, we yeah. want anything we can get our hands on. More house, more yeah. fashion, right? Uh, more power, mm-hmm. more food, more food. Yeah, you know? which is, uh, you know, I, I think they're those are all things that we, you know, kind of interact with. Uh, that we, we can't run from in, in this life, but I think it's uh, very healthy to be responsible with with your desires, um, I think is where we're headed. And this subject does make us all uncomfortable because at various points in our lives, uh, if we're honest, you know, we have been in pursuit of more, you know. Um, I think society and culture kind of you know, provokes us to want more, would you say? Yeah. I mean, if you think about our culture, like Western American culture, like everything is based around the pursuit of more. Like we we're constantly bombarded with advertisements of mm. the next new thing we should want. And the next phone. Yeah. The next phone. I mean, what did the iPhone 11 just, just come out. Yeah, yeah, and it has like four cameras, three cameras wow. on the back. See, one. like even the iPhone is in pursuit <laughs> of more. Like, yeah. Does it need that many cameras? I guess we'll see. Yeah. Um, and in the book, man, I, I have this quote that I want to read. Um, it just basically says the opposite of a lack of access, uh, in which I define poverty as a lack of access. But it says the opposite of a lack of access is the pursuit of abundance. Uh, The pursuit of abundance is otherwise known as greed. Greed is uh, difficult to discuss. Um, And 
you know, I've had some pushback. Like I had a couple people reach out to me and said, hey, man, I I don't understand. Like, uh, you know, abundance can be a good thing. Um, And, you know, all of us should be in pursuit of abundance because God has no shortages. Um, But I guess my pushback to the to the people that reached out about this is that um, anything that you're in pursuit of, that takes you away from God's mission, that takes you away from, um, you know, healthy priorities is greed uh, because that thing that you're in pursuit of starts to control you as a person and you become like a a servant to it in actuality. Would you say? Yeah, I think so. And I would agree. I mean, that God is a God of abundance, but he's also the God of enough. I mean, you look at yeah. the the Israelites in the desert and, you know, they were instructed to only collect the amount of manna they needed for the day. I mean, there's an abundance of it. There was always enough, but they couldn't take more than what they needed. Mm. And man, I think if God has given you more than you need, it's because you're supposed to give it away. Mm. Which is, man, you, you, that's a really difficult statement. It is. It's uncomfortable. And it reminds me of a story uh, Francis Chan told. Uh, he prayed that he'd become rich so he could give, like, give away money. Mm. And he ended up writing Crazy Love, and it became a bestseller, and he gave away, like, all the money he made off of it. Wow. Wow. I mean, what do you say to those those folks, though, man, that are in pursuit of wealth? Um just solely for themselves, though, because we do live in a, a capitalistic uh, society where, you know, it's promoted to get all you can while you can uh, amass as much stuff as you can and uh, be about you, you know, and yours. I mean, how, what, what do you say to that? Yeah, I mean, I feel like that is just going to be kind of like the underlying theme of this whole episode. But, I mean, I don't think there's any biblical basis for the pursuit of excess. Mm. So, right out of the gate, we're probably, our li- if we're in pursuit of that, we're probably not aligning our lives with Scripture. So, we're probably out of alignment with God's will for our lives. Um, but also... I mean, we all know that stuff can't make us happy. Yeah. Um, so we're, I mean, it's at the end of the day, it's an empty pursuit. Yeah, it is a empty pursuit, man. And, and stuff doesn't make us happy. Uh, which leads me to the question that you have here, man. It, but is wealth um, bad? Is it evil? I don't necessarily think that it's evil. I don't yeah. think that is bad. I think... What happens is, uh, is when our priorities are out of place and when we're controlled by the thing that we pursue, then it becomes bad to us. And um, what what ends up happening is that we become selfish and we are self-centered. And it becomes all about our world instead of the world that God has created uh, that we're existing in uh, where we can... Uh, join God in God's work and be uh, a, a force of good in the world. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. I don't, I don't think wealth in of itself is bad or evil. I just think it's stuff. And right. 
when it becomes bad or evil is when it controls us instead of the other way around. Yeah. You you recently read uh, a book. I read the same book, but um, I think the name of the book is called $2 a Day. And uh, could, could you talk a little bit about uh, that book and basically uh, what, what the underlining theme of this book is? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the book discusses extreme poverty uh, in the world. And I want to say the book is by, who's it by? I can't remember. I want to say her name is Edith. But anyways, the book... Let me let me look that up for okay. you. The, the book specifically, if I remember, it's been three years since I've read it, but it specifically talks about the uh, ridiculous amount of people... Yep, Catherine Eden. Catherine Eden, not yep. Edith. Gotcha. But it talks about the amount of people living in America on $2 a day or less. What, what do you mean by $2 a day? Because most people listening to this would say, how in the world are so many people uh, living on $2 a day uh, when there's so much wealth in this country? Yeah. Uh, $2 a day, I believe, is the current measurement for extreme poverty. Mm. And what that means is when you're um, subsisting your entire day on less than $2. So that includes food, yeah. your uh, housing, all that. And all you have access to is $2 a day for that. Wow. Yeah, because it, it talks a, a lot about uh, disposable income, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, like how much cash uh, people who are living in extreme poverty in this country actually have access to. Mm-hmm. And if you were to add up $2 a day, uh, times 30 days or 31 days at the end of the month, most people only have access to, uh, what, 60-something dollars yeah. uh, in an entire month um, after they've worked you know, minimum wage jobs or after they've gotten uh, subsidies uh, from the government, et cetera. Uh, most people only have access to uh, a very small amount of cash, which is mind-blowing because the the opposite or the other end of the spectrum is that you know people have uh you know a a bunch of luxury and they have access to all sorts of wealth yeah i mean just think about the polar extremes like i mean there are people who make you know two million dollars a day in america Yeah. yeah and I mean, just think about that's such a vast difference between two dollars. But let me ask you this, man, because I know people um, will have this question. You know, are people responsible for helping other people uh, when they have, you know, wealth and, you know, another person may not? You know, is whose responsibility is it? Man, I believe to a degree we are responsible. Mm. Um, I don't think just as humans, like when we see another human suffering in any way, like we have to deny a part of ourselves to deny them. 
We yeah. have to deny our own humanity in order to do- deny theirs. Wow. Yeah. Um, I, I, I definitely agree, man. I was, I was reading um, this powerful quote by, uh, I think it was uh, Pope Francis uh, the other day. And uh, it, it, it basically says that human dignity is the same for all human beings. When I trample on the dignity of another, I am trampling on my own. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's this idea that we're all connected in some way. And I, yeah. I think if we are honest, uh, you know, many of us have arrived and gotten to places in our lives, not because we are so grand or... Uh, because we are so special is it's because people have gone before us and have invested or sold seeds and, and, and created opportunities uh, for us to be where we are. And so uh, with that same mindset and understanding that we aren't self-made, how dare we withhold uh, contributing something uh, to help somebody else along? Yeah, and we hit on that some last week. Yeah. But none of us are self-made. There's there's a long list for each person of people who have helped us along the way, um, who have given us access to influence and physical resources and jobs and so on that we would not have had access to without them. So, like you said, like who are we to deny that to someone else in any way? Yeah, yeah, man. Uh, but, but people do, you, you have a, um, a scripture right here. Uh, I'll ask you to read and then kind of like go through, go through, uh, some of the meaning of it, but you want to jump right in and yeah. So this is James chapter five verses one through six in the voice translation. It reads, Hey, you rich folk. Misery is on its way, so cry and moan, because you will watch your riches rot before your eyes as the moths devour your fine clothes. Your stockpile of silver and gold is tarnished and corroded, and this rust will stand up in the final judgment and testify against you. It will eat your flesh like a fire and become a permanent and painful reminder that you have hoarded your wealth through these last days. Listen. You held back a just wage from the laborers who mowed your fields, and that money is crying out against you, demanding that justice be done. The cries of the people who harvested your crops and made you a prophet have fallen upon the ears of the Supreme Lord of heavenly armies. Your life on the earth has been one of luxury, pleasure, and endless consumption. You have feasted to your heart's content on animals you slaughtered, but now the day of the slaughter comes for you. You have condemned and murdered the righteous man, and he did not defend himself. Hmm. What do you What do you take from that, man? Man, there, there's a lot of imagery in that. That is almost abrasive to listen to. Yeah, I mean, we hear words like misery and cry and moan and rot, devour, uh, even down to like slaughter is coming for you. I mean, that's kind of. I think only uh, only scripture can be that bold and convicting. Yeah, it's it's interesting that um, James is like focused on people um, 
almost in a way that have have placed their faith or trust in in riches um and kind of like given this illusion that all of these external things uh that uh people with immense wealth that place their their faith in is kind of like going to fade away would you you say that yeah i think so and it's like he's saying like you said like you've you've placed your faith in your riches but now they're rotting away and in order to gather these riches you had to commit injustices along the way mm. and now those injustices are crying out against you and condemning you mm. what do you think he's really saying though man how, how do you modernize this to uh you know people who have placed their priorities or in, in just the pursuit of just more yeah so it's definitely taking a stab at that greedy mentality that so many of us have um, especially like with the speaking about holding back a just wage from your laborers mm. um, so many of us are you know we'll we'll try to squeeze out as much as we can get and a mm. lot I mean that is uh, a lot of it's our culture capitalism Mm. It's kind of based around that fact that you want to as much profit as possible, um, even if it's not necessarily ethically attained. Yeah, bro. I, I, I just, um, I got a chance to, to write this piece for, uh, sojourners and, uh, the name of the piece was low wages will never be, uh, good news to the poor. And in this article, I'm kind of like discussing uh, how, you know, 20 plus city uh, states around the country uh, still adhere to the federal minimum wage of seven dollars and twenty five cent an hour. And I'm kind of like asking people like, um, you know, could you uh, keep up or maintain the life that you have now if you uh, were to work an hourly job and, and be paid that. And then I, I go on uh, later in, uh, you know, this article, and I'm talking about uh, Barbara, uh, Dr. Barbara Ehrenreich. And uh, she authored a book uh, years ago, probably 20 plus years ago, called Nickel and Dimed. And um, um, she's basically saying that millions of Americans work full time year round for poverty level wages and uh she goes on to say to kind of like flip it uh flip the script on it a little bit she says the working poor of our society are the unsung heroes and the most important philanthropists and you go well like how can somebody who is impoverished be a philanthropist right but she goes on to to describe she says because they neglect their own children so that the children's the children of others will be cared for, they live in substandard housing so that um, other homes will be shiny and perfect. Uh, you know, to be a member of the working poor is to be an anonymous donor, a nameless benefactor to everyone else. Isn't that powerful? Wow, that is. Yeah, um, and to your point, man. You know, some. Until James James's point, like yeah, sometimes you know, 
you know, fair pay and living wages are are held from, you know, those who are experiencing poverty in our country. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, there are people who are continually to become uh, increasingly wealthier and, uh, um, you know, there, there are people who are, who are literally suffering, man, and, and living day to day without enough to even to live on. Uh, it's, it's that $2 a day that you were speaking about earlier. Um, but, you know, as we think about this, you know, I think it's important for us to define how much is enough because, you know, I, I don't think we're trying to communicate to people to, to, to say, like, you just should, you know, sell everything and, and not live your life or enjoy your life. But, you know, I like this quote that I found on our four pillar freedom. It says at its core, defining enough is about deciding how much money you'll need to live a good life on your terms, um, which can can sound like a, you know, just pursue it all. But the latter part of the sentence says and how you define a good life is dependent on what you value. Uh, so basically, I, I take that to, to mean that what you value should should be a indirect uh, connection and inform, you know, how, how, how you're pursuing, how much is enough for you. Yeah. That's such a good quote. And man, one thing it says, how you define a good life is dependent on what you, what you value Mm. that. I mean, you have to actually define your values to even start. Right. And our values should be, you know, align with what God values. Yeah, with scripture. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I feel like that is why so many people are caught up in the pursuit of stuff and excess and money is because they don't, they don't know what they value. They, they know that they have this void mm. and they want to fill it somehow. And they see all these, you know, shiny advertisements of happy people on, on the beach with, you know, boats and living the good life and they think oh well, all I have to do is get the stuff they have and I'll be like that I'll be happy but it's it's all a sham yeah man I, I'm thinking even of like our, our our values would even inform how we move and and behave and 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 exist in the world uh, it would determine if we're mean towards uh, people who are impoverished or you know if we're compassionate towards uh people who are impoverished it, it would inform um how we how we uh see our resources uh that God has given us and how they can be leveraged uh to to do good in the world you know because you know for mo- most people think that resources are the source and it's not the source uh they're just you know, uh, uh, just kind of like tools, uh, that we use to, uh, live and function in life. But, uh, the source is, um, you know, it's guys, it's the divine. And, and so if we are to like reorient how we see or how we're able to leverage resources that we've been given or blessed with, or whatever you, your phraseology is like, 
um, then we can see how we can become a good steward of those resources and use them as tools uh, to help other people along. Because it's just like we were talking about, uh, you know, on the last episode, man, at the end of the day, um, what will your dash be known for? Not only, not just with your time and how you spent your time and how you create a margin uh, for your life, but how you use the resources that you were given. Yeah. I mean, what were your, what were your, your uh, what your bank account build? Mm. What, I mean, think about that. Yeah, Is man. Is it going to build up a life for yourself or right. a legacy right. of helping others? Yeah, I one time heard, heard this guy say that um, if he was to, you know, look at a printout on where all of your dollars are going uh, from your bank account, he can he can pretty much show you what you value. Man, that's good. I mean, where your treasure lies, there your heart will be also. Yeah. You know. Yeah, which is which is important. So, I mean, I think that's a good question to ask, you know, anybody who's listening. Where is your heart? Where is your treasure? Mm-hmm. You know, at this moment in your life, um, are you content? You know, I'm not talking about being complacent, but contentment is uh, being, you know, ha- or having joy with wherever you are in life. And, uh, you know, seeing uh, what you have as enough. Um, it's not being complacent where uh, you become stagnant, but it's being content. You know, are you content? Are you um, at peace with what you have currently in your life? Uh, you know, are you satisfied with a car because you have a car? It may not be the latest car, but you have a car. Are you satisfied uh, because you have a roof? over your head it may not be the largest roof you may not have you know extra bedrooms for guests to come over and stay but you have a roof you know are you satisfied or content with the clothes that you have they might not be the the latest uh trends or you know fashion that has come out recently but are you are you truly grateful for what you have in your life now and many people vacillate between gratitude and greed and uh, greed and gratitude are always in conflict with one another, and it's it's up to us to know what we value, so we can stay closer to gratitude. Man, that's good, and it's so important to be grateful not only for our, I mean, just for our own hearts. It does so much, but think of the message it sends to the people who don't have much when you're not even grateful for the stuff you do have. Mm. Like that totally even closes off the conversation. Wow. To even talk about that lack. Yeah. Man, I was, um, it's funny because earlier today uh, I was downtown and I was having having a conversation. Uh, I was at this, you know, kind of like a co-working space. And um, <laughs> I was talking to somebody and they had brought, some food, some leftovers or whatever uh, that they had. And we were talking, we, we, somehow we got on the subject of food and uh, the person just said, you know, I don't even want this and just threw it away. And uh, not even five or 10 minutes later, I walk outside and there was this guy, he had on no shoes, um, had, old, 
had on or over slash closed, you know, looked like he hadn't showered in two months. And, you know, he walks up uh, to me and my friend and he says, man, please, please, could you just get me something to eat? I almost broke down, bro, because, you know, um, here it is, you know, sometimes we have access to, you know, all sorts of things. And if we miss those moments of gratitude, um, we could end up throwing something away that somebody else was praying for, um, which is profound, man. And I, I just think, you know, um, that not only should we be grateful, but we should open our hearts up towards generosity. Uh, because one of the things that helps us, you know, combat greed um, and escape, uh, you know, this this just like desperation and this pursuit towards more and more and more is having a heart of generosity. And uh, I love this quote, quote by Brian Jewell. He says, generosity is actually God's antidote uh, for the selfishness, selfishness that can control our lives, man. That's good. And almost like thinking back up to this question of how can we define how much is enough? Mm. What if we define how much is enough as however much we can genuinely be grateful for? Wow. Like if you wow. don't sit at night and... You got to say that again, bro. What if we define en- enough as how much we can genuinely be grateful for? Like if I can't even sit down and express gratitude over something I have, do I? Re- I mean, maybe I have enough. Wow, wow, that is so profound, man. Like, and it's a heart check too. Yeah. Like it. <laughs> wow. Um, you know, in this moment, man. Like, it, it. Just I'm even processing this for myself. Like. You know, it makes you so aware of all of the things that you have around around you. You know, like <laughs> right now we're recording this podcast uh, from my kitchen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, man, I'm grateful I have a kitchen. Yeah. Um, and I see a refrigerator and, you know, there's food in there. And you start looking around, man, and it kind of like puts your heart in a calm state where, man, if I just kind of like push back against what society and culture wants me to pursue, then maybe I may be not only at peace and content with what I have, but I can thank God for what I have. Yeah. And I'm definitely preaching to myself here Mm. because I know I'm not grateful um, often enough for the stuff I have. And, you know, maybe... Maybe the reason I'm not really grateful for some things is because I don't need them. You wow. Know? What, do you, what do you mean by that? Like, I mean, have you ever, like, just been, like, on a, like, out working in the heat all day, like, maybe working in the yard, and it's just, like, you know, Georgia heat, Georgia summer heat, and you're sweating, and then all of a sudden someone brings out, like, a cold glass of water, mm. and you're just so grateful in that <laughs> moment. Yeah. But if you were, you know out playing in the snow and I mean how grateful would you be for like a freezing cold glass of water probably not asked because you don't need it as much right so it's almost like you're saying that just keeping yourself in a in in that posture of 
gratitude, whether it's, you know, 100 degrees outside or whether it's, you know, fall weather and everything's going well. Um, just maintaining that, that hunger of gratitude. Is that? Well, like, I think what I was trying to communicate yeah. was like, when we need something, we'll be grateful for it, you know? Yeah. But if there's something we don't need, we'll probably take it for granted, mm. you know? Yeah. It's just kind of on the outside. Mm. But things like everyday things like good health and uh, food yeah. and shelter, we need those things. Yeah. We need them. So we're more likely to be grateful for them because they'll be missed if we don't have them. Right that makes sense yeah and you say you're working through that or have worked through yeah that. how have you uh opened your heart up for you know growth in that area man um so i said i've been working through it but it really is only something that dawned on me like a few days ago when i was watching brene brown's netflix special oh yeah i like on netflix yeah well i guess a netflix special is always gonna be on netflix <laughs> yeah. but uh anyway she did like a short segment on generosity mm. i mean not generosity gratefulness oh yeah i remember mm-hmm. that and she was just talking about how important it is to be grateful i was like man like i'm not grateful often enough um and especially like she was talking about being grateful for the people in your life, mm. expressing gratitude over that. Um, I think she used an example where um, something about like someone had lost a child and because the, the other person had expressed gratitude about having the life of their own child, like having their own child being healthy like it opened up the other person to to have a little peace over the loss of their own child just because of seeing that expressed gratitude and seeing the value placed it, I spoke to that person wow yeah it's 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 powerful man uh one of my favorite quotes on gratitude says and it's by Melanie uh Batty. um it says gratitude unlocks the fullness of life it turns what we have into enough and more. It turns denial into acceptance, chaos to order, confusion to clarity. It can turn a meal into a feast, a house into a home, a stranger into a friend. Wow. She's like saying that gratitude amplifies or has a power to uh alter our perspectives of how we we view what's right in front of us and kind of magnify it to a, a point i mean come on like enough in and you know turns what we have into enough and that's that's fire you know, right there you know, uh it turns denial into acceptance uh chaos to order confusion to clarity um a meal into a feast you know i mean that a stranger into a friend that's good yeah man um i think to your point man uh gratitude is kind of like uh the pre prerequisite if you will uh to generosity uh but i would agree with that that's kind of like how you make your shift to start 
living and seeing outwardly. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. once we start to become grateful for the things we have, the things we have start to become enough. Mm. And then everything above enough, we can start to give away. Yeah. Wow. So t- let's talk a little bit about um, generosity, man. And, you know, how it actually changes uh, the focus of your heart. Um, I know we talked a little bit about gratitude, but like, what is generosity? Would you say, John? Man, um, I think in its simplest definition is just giving. It's giving away. Mm. Giving away. What do you mean by giving away? It is taking something you have and that you value and placing it in the hands of another, whether it be uh, something like monetary or time Mm. or uh, emotion even. Mm. Yeah, I would agree, man. And I, I would go on to say, like, when you're generous, you're freely giving. Yeah, it's it's not giving where, oh, I'm just giving to to receive something in return, or like I'm giving with yeah. an ulterior like motive, ex- yeah. you know, or some type of exchange. It's like, it's like giving, like freely giving, right, and not expecting anything in return. Your, as a matter of fact, your benefit or your joy comes from the reception and that. Uh, the reaction from uh, whoever received the gift. That's a, that's payment enough. That's it, yeah. Yeah. It's giving without expecting something in return. No, I like that. Yeah. What, what is that? Well, for me, man, it does so much for my heart um, because I believe generosity is one of the only ways that we're able to combat greed. But... Uh, you know, it's also an, another way that grows us um, because generosity begets more generosity. Like it can almost become addictive, man, uh, just being generous. Um, and it, it man, I, I think generosity is one of the greatest ways uh, that God is able to move through people. Um, yeah. Yeah, people who are have open hands and not closed fists. Mm-hmm. Because just think about how much freedom comes with a generous heart. Mm. Like if you think of the, the opposite of generosity might be the accumulation of, of stuff, hoarding. Selfishness. Yeah, selfishness. Yeah. And think of how much we miss out on when we are only focused on what we can get. <laughs> Everything. Everything. Because everything that we're focused on is in our world and how small is our world? Right. I mean, imagine like if you woke up one day and you said, well, I don't want to spend time with my kids because then I won't get to watch TV. Yeah. Man, you, you would miss out on <laughs> getting to see your kids. Like, right. And creating memories. Right. Like no matter how good the office is. <laughs> uh, oh, you have like you the watched that show yet? I have not watched the office yeah, yet. Man. It's good. But no matter how good whatever TV show you're watching, yeah, like, I like Chopped. Okay, is yeah. it? But I mean, Chopped is good, but it's not as good as seeing your kids it's play not, and laugh. And it's not, man. Well, 
let me let's share let's trade generosity stories. What is a generosity story that um, you've heard recently or over the years, man? That just is super inspirational, and it makes you go, "Wow, how could somebody do that?" Man, that kind of caught me off guard. Um, well, I mean, just, even just uh, a couple the other week when I was overseas, mm. the generosity people would show to me, like we would go in the homes of people who literally had nothing. There was one house we went into mm. and the one of the little girls had epilepsy and... Mm-hmm. The mother just couldn't afford money for, uh, couldn't afford the medicine. She didn't have the money for it. And they were living off tomatoes and bread. That was all they were eating, all they had Literally. money for. They had maxed out their credit at the stores. And, but yet they still brought us out coffee and little, uh, little snacks. And like they gave more than they had. Like that was it. Like they were on credit. They were wow. giving us coffee they had bought on credit. Wow. And just think about the Out value. Out of their poverty. Yeah. But think about the value they had for us. They valued us, therefore they gave what they had. Wow, man. That's powerful, man. And all, it, wow. Um, very emotional story, man, because, uh, you know, I can relate to having a, a child... Uh, that has um, complications with uh, his health. My son has uh, health challenges from time to time, and I couldn't imagine, you know, not having access to, like, medication or anything. And, man, it it just makes me, my eyes watery, man, thinking about it. And and yet those people... um, out of their lack, out of their generosity, valued you to the point where they were still hospitable and wanted to give you uh, something and probably didn't even want anything in return. Uh, uh, literally, um, what was so special about that visit is that family, the mother of that family had come down to us in the street and very privately said, I don't want anything. I just want you to come pray for us. That's all I want. And then wow. went back and told us where, like, where her room was and was like, just come to us whenever you can. Wow. And all, literally all they wanted was for us to pray, and yet they still gave us something in return. Wow. What a powerful story, man. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm thinking about a, a generosity story myself. Uh, a few years back, I got a chance to meet... Um, a uh, lady by the name of Cherry, uh, very kind, bubbly spirit, spirited lady, um, you know, just always positive. And uh, I think one day, uh, you know, I was hanging out with her team and overheard her, her say that she only had one kidney. And I'm like, you know, I wanted, I was intrigued, you know, I was like, well, why why don't you, why don't you have both your kidneys because I was just kind of trying to figure out and uh she said because I I gave I gave my kidney away hmm. and I was like you know I'm just shocked at this point so uh long story short uh 
Sherry had met um, this gentleman who had a family in a small group. He was attending Bible study. Uh, he was on dialysis going back and forth, and um, she had somehow discovered that, you know, he was on a list uh, for kidney transplant, and it was taking a long time. And uh, she got some information, man, and, you know, she said God laid it on her heart to go get tested to see if she was a match, and she was. And um, this guy and his family didn't know Cherry from Adam, bro. And, uh, you know, once she found out, she had called his wife and him together and and told him that she was going to be a donor. Um, successful you know, surgeries, uh, and literally she saved this guy's life um, by donating the kidney. kidney. Every time I even hear this story, because I've seen them, like, you know, multiple times, I'm like, and, you know, people I ask here, like, man, like, <laughs> that means that you only have one kidney left. Something could happen to that, and, you know, and she's just like, I'll be fine, you know, I'll be okay. I, I did what I was supposed to do. And I just think of the, just this father still being present in his children's life, you know, how, you know, the Lord used her, her generosity to save, you know, this guy and um, he's still in his children's life. Who, who knows how that will, you know, have lasting impact. And for her to be courageous enough to just freely give, because it's not like you could get a kidney back or anything. No. Yeah, but um, I'm always blown away by that story and, uh, you know, Cherry's generosity. But, man, just think about if we had more people in this world uh, that maybe not to that extreme, but, like, would just have small moments of generosity where they would – you know, freely release some of the things that they're trying to keep keep to themselves, man. How how might this world change, bro? Yeah, man. First of all, that is a, an amazing story. Yeah. Um, but I think if we were all ch- chose to like be generous in little ways, even like the world would just be, the world would change. Mm. Would there would be there'd be like a little more peace, mm. and yeah. knowing that. You know, not only from that peace that you get from giving, but knowing that there are people out there who will give to you in your time of need. Yeah. It's almost like the world would kind of function how is how God intended for it right. to function like in a way, you know, yeah. A big community where we're all caring uh for one another, man. I think, you know, this is a this is a really great moment to read um you know uh or kind of rehash matthew 25 yeah uh where you know jesus is uh it's the first time he's about to give you know judgments to all nations and like um he's kind of describing what it means uh to be in in alignment with god and um and it says, and then the king will say to those on the right, enter you who are blessed by my father. Uh, take what's coming to you in this kingdom. Uh, it's been ready for you since uh, the world's foundation. And here's why. I was hungry and you fed me. 
I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was homeless and you gave me a room. I was shivering and you gave me clothes. I was sick and you stopped to visit. I was in prison and you came to me. And then, um, you know, those people are going to say, well, what are you talking about? When did we ever see you hungry and feed you and thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And then the king will say, uh, I'm telling you the solemn truth. Whenever you did it, did one of these things uh, to someone who is overlooked and ignored, that was me. You did it to me. What a powerful um, uh, passage or passages of scripture, man, um, that communicates uh, the generosity that we should have. Uh, it's basically saying that we are to see or respond to people who are overlooked, who are ignored, who, who have lacked as if it was Jesus himself. Um, just powerful, powerful language, man, that there's no reason uh, the hungry should go unfed or uh, people should be thirsty or, you know, homeless people living on the streets shouldn't have a bed or, you know, people who are going to be cold this winter. You know, there are kids who are probably going to go to school. Uh, they're living in impoverished families, man, that won't even have jackets or socks or gloves uh, this coming winter. You know, uh, who are we to like withhold community and support from people who are sick? You know, um, all of those things speak to how generous we should be um, and treating people as if though they, you know, they're representatives of Christ. Yeah. And not only that, but that passage instates a, like a biblical responsibility to use our excess toward the advancements of others yeah. and the advancement of those who, who lack access to things such as food and, and jackets for winter and mm. beds to sleep in. Mm. And there's another uh, verse in scripture that really uh, hammers down that point again in First John t chapter 3, verse 17. It says, that if a person owns the kind of things we need to make it in the world but refuses to share with those in need, is it even possible that God's love lives in him? Mm. Wow. Say that again, man. If a person owns the kind of things we need to make it in the world, but refuses to share with those in need, is it even possible that God's love lives in him? Wow. What is that saying? Man, it's saying like, if you have what somebody needs, like if you have excess and somebody is in need of what you have and you don't share it with them, like, do you even know God? Like, I mean, that's a... That's a strong statement right is. there, man. It is. And I'm, I mean, I'm glad the Bible says it right there because I'd be terrified to say that to anyone. Right. From my own wisdom, but, man, it's in Scripture. Like, we have a responsibility... We do, man. ...to give to those who do not have. Yeah. And, man, I just think of the, you know, how, how enriched and empowered people uh, who lack um, 
polite things could be if if people were to take their ex- excess and and just you know share it um you know uh there are people who have abundance of shoes and you probably won't wear all those shoes this year um you know who have uh you know multiple cars and you can't drive all of them you know tons of clothes and and man you know i know people you know personally just like just hoard you know just everything and anything you could think of or imagine man you know i know one uh person in particular that's really close uh, to the family spends uh you know thirty thousand dollars a year on just clothes you know and you know, i just think about um uh the type of impact uh you know funds like that could have if they were directed towards uh people because the truth of the matter is man like we fluctuate in size you know you know after you're dead and gone like you know clothes are they you know rust and rot and moss you know eat through them and man what what type of impact could we have if we just really took some of that excess and invested in people and i think that's the core of generosity man that god is um passionate about the investment of his creation yeah man that's so true like I mean, it says constantly throughout Scripture not to build up treasures on earth Mm. because those things fade away. And investing what we have in others Mm. is, I mean, one of the most purpose-giving things we can do. Yeah. And we we have to invest, man. Um, and it's not always monetarily, man. Mm-mm. Sometimes it's just being generous with your time and wisdom and information. And, you know, um, and there's just so many different ways we can we can be generous and with yeah. our talents. Yeah. Yeah. Down here, man. You know, how might you be able to use your greatest God given gift to, you know, empower somebody else, man? It's, just so much we could think about and apply. Yeah, I mean, there are many of us who might not have extra excess uh, when it comes to money. Like, there are a lot of us who live paycheck to paycheck, but we still have time and we still have influence and talent Mm -hmm. that we can still give. We're not exempt from generosity just because we don't have money. Right. Like, no matter who you are, you have something you can give. Everybody has something yeah. to give. Even if... Like, every single yeah. person. Like, even people living on the street aren't exempt from being generous. Right. And, and I think that, you know, in all in all, man, it's... All of this is a, a posture of the heart. Like, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, we can only be generous uh, based upon... Um, you know, where we are in our hearts. Yeah. And uh, before we begin to close out, there's one more passage in Scripture I want to read. It's a story of generosity that we find in 
First Kings chapter 17, and okay. it starts in verse 10. Okay. It says, Elijah got up and immediately traveled to Zarephath. He arrived at the city gate, and at that moment, a widow was picking up sticks nearby. Elijah said to her, Please bring me some water in a jar to quench my thirst. And as she was fetching the water, he said, Also, can you please bring me a piece of bread? Mm. The woman replied, As certain as the eternal one, your, your true God lives, I don't have any bread. In fact, I'm starving. I don't have anything except for a bit of flour in a bowl and a few drops of oil in a jar. I was gathering sticks when you arrived to make a fire so that my son and I could eat one last bite of food and then die because it's all over for us. Then Elijah said, I assure you that it's not over for you yet. Don't be afraid. Continue what you are doing, but make a small bread cake for me first and bring it here to me. Then you and your son may eat your own bread cakes. This is the message of the eternal God of Israel. The flour and the oil will not run out until the moment when the eternal showers, showers the earth with rain. And she did exactly as Elijah had instructed her to do. And everyone who lived in her house had food for days. The bowl of flour and jar of oil did not run out, just as the eternal had said through Elijah. And man, I feel like so often one of the lies we believe about being generous is if we give, we won't have. Yeah, that it's going to run out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But man, that's just that's just small faith. That's all that is. Mm. And God provides. And even if we have little, if we're obedient in our giving, man, God is going to provide in that obedience. Yeah. And I, I like to think of it like this, man. It's, it's, uh, it's all about filling gaps. Um, and the truth of the matter is, John, that, you know, sometimes you will be called to make sacrifices and it will not be replaced. Yeah. Uh, sometimes you'll be asked to give and nothing will be given in return. And I think one of the things that we have to break away from is always being an expectation that because we're generous, that something has to happen to us uh, better than uh, what we've given. And I think true obedience uh, to uh, God and and being a good steward is being willing to do whatever uh, is asked of you in the moment that will uh, glorify God and and impact the life of another. Yeah, I agree. Knowing, though, Mm -hmm. that because uh, you have a relationship with God, that you still get benefits Yeah, and that you... uh, will be blessed and that uh, God does ultimately provide for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, r- when you read through Hebrews 11, you see a long list of so many people who did not see mm. the fruit of their sacrifices here on earth. Right. That they were setting up for future generations. And I think you're right. Like a lot of times there are times where we're called to give when it will not be returned to us in this life. Yeah. And we can't have that mentality uh, going in to giving and generosity that, oh, I'm only giving because I know that it'll be returned to me in some way. There's actually another passage in scripture that says uh, it commands us to invite the poor and the, uh, those without to, to banquets and parties because they will not be able to repay us. Mm. 
to do that instead of inviting your rich friends who will throw a party later and invite you to that and repay you. Like we can't, we can't give with the expectation that will be given to. Yeah. It's gotta be pure and authentic and free. Uh, yeah. Free. Yeah. Yeah, man, man. I think, uh, people who make it this far in some way, we're, we're just hoping, uh, that if you've listened to this point that, you are moved um, first and foremost to um, be grateful in this moment, you know, wherever you are. If you have a cell phone that you're listening to this on, uh, uh, I mean, if you're on the internet, if you have a laptop, uh, if you're in a car, uh, wherever you are, you know, I would just ask you, what, what, what's, what's around you? You know, what can you be grateful for at this very moment? And when you are overwhelmed with that gratitude and uh, that gratefulness uh, for what you have, you know, lean into it more where, you know, that gratefulness can turn into generosity. Um, and ask yourself, how, how, can, how, how can I give my time, my talents, my influence, my, my you know, some excess resources uh, to be a blessing to other people around you, because it is true um, that it is uh, much more of a blessing to to give than receive. Uh, you know, you change, your life changes, your mentality changes, the way that you uh, see the world and people around you uh, will change. And we just hope that, um, you know, we said something on this podcast, uh, this episode to uh, inspire that in you. Yeah, man. Thank y'all so much for listening. Um, and like Terrence said, we hope this impacted you. And if it did impact you in any way, we'd encourage you to to share it uh, with your friends, with your family. Uh, you can share it on social media, um, word of mouth, text the link to somebody. Uh, we'd also love it if you would subscribe and leave a review. Um, Terrence, what are your social media? Oh handles? yeah. yeah. Yeah, man, it's uh, I'm Terrence Lester. That's I-M-T-E-R-E-N-C-E-L-E-S-T-E-R. That's I-M-T-E-R-E-N-C-E-L-E-S-T-E-R. That's uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And also, uh, you can follow the organization Love Beyond Walls and a museum we just started, Dignity Museum. And uh, that's Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram as well. And if you want to check out our work uh, you can also visit lovebeyondwalls.org. What about you, John? What's your social? You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and I guess Facebook, as well as the same, at JohnnyTaylor95. That is J-O-H-N-N-Y-T-A-Y-L-O-R-95. Yeah, man. Been a great episode. It has. So thank you all so much for listening. We hope you listen with us again next week.